You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Gentlemen, start your engines! The following is a paid program. Warning. The views expressed come from men who've spent half their lives in grease-stained overalls, inhaling hazardous fluids. Before taking any advice, consider the source. This program will contain humor of a questionable nature. A mechanic tries to fix your car. No matter if you're near or far. He'll change your oil or fix your flat. And he'll do it just like that. Buckle up, everyone. It's time to get this show on the road. Time for Dave's Corner Garage, your Saturday morning joyride on Zoomer Radio. Got a car question for Dave or Alan? Call now, 416-360-0740. Or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Okay, Alan, do it. Welcome to Dave's Corner Garage. Another week. Man, the week has just flown this week. It's just zapping. We were just here last week. What does that mean? I don't know. Just say it to me. <laughs> uh, joining us today is Carrie, Terry O'Keefe from Omvic and Carrie Schmidt from the OPP. So you're going to struggle with that all morning. You're going to struggle with that all morning. <laughs> I know. Carrie and Terry. Carrie <laughs> and Carrie and everybody else is doing. By the way, this morning we welcome your calls. If you've got uh, problems with your car or you've got problems buying a car, we're going to hear some interesting information from financing and uh, what's happening when you're trying to finance a car. And one of the hints would be um, if they're shopping your financing around, your credit rating is going to be dropping. So that's one of the topics we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about financing uh, that's that are not done properly. I would say the word is they're illegal forms that these guys are filling out. So that's one of the topics we'll be going to. And Carrie is all upset about motorcycle mobs. Exactly. So if, uh, if your name is Larry or Sherry, you're welcome to give us a call because we got Terry and Carrie on the show today. <laughs> this is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be back with more excitement. Yes, financing when we come back. And he tells me that. Hey, we're welcome back. It's <laughs> <That's> cool. <laughs> a different microphone. The audience has been told us that we have to change the way we do our mics. And uh, speaking of which, we have Terry O'Keefe with us from Omvic. Terry, are we the only industry with all this industry stuff going on? There's other industries that have the same issues, I'm sure. Oh, there's other industries, yeah. with, you know, with even even bigger problems. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's. I'm glad you said it that way, though, because you know, many people don't know that retail vehicle sales in the province of Ontario is actually a highly regulated industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, every dealer, every salesperson has to be licensed. Uh, there's mandatory education for them, uh, so that they learn all the regulations. And of course, you know, there's. You know, every dealership gets inspected. There's all kinds of different things going on in this industry. And, and that's why, you know, we talk about the bad things that are going on in the industry. And there are still things happening that shouldn't be. But this is not the Wild West that it once was. Right. The Wild West is actually, if you want to know, in Halifax. <laughs> there's no safety checks. There's no emission tests. It's as is where. It's just like it was 35 years ago. It's, it's, and that's another really good point. Yeah. Different provinces across this country yeah. have different rules and regulations. Ontario, the vehicle sales here happen to be highly regulated. Other provinces have 
far less regulation. Yeah. And then one of the issues is ethics. I mean, we're always talking about ethics of, of the sales and actually ethics from the buyers, too, because they're involved in that, too. So one of, we were going to talk this morning about financing, and you've been getting stuff where they, they've been filling out forms that aren't exactly accurate. Yeah, we've actually had to, unfortunately, charge uh, a, a few dealers in the last uh, Oh, I'd say 18 months or so. Um, I'm going to turn over my page here because I want to make sure I get names right. Uh, Ryan Maxwell, he was a salesperson at an Oshawa dealership, and I'm naming him because he's been charged and convicted with falsifying employment information on a credit application for a vulnerable consumer. So for maybe if somebody doesn't understand what that is, because we were talking earlier in the green room, and I wondered how that was really bad. But uh, explain that. So let's say um, I haven't been working too long and aren't making a whole lot of money, but I want a new car. And the car dealer tries to help me out. Well, they may think they're trying to help you out. Right. But if, if, if a dealer has to falsify information, falsify that you make more than you actually do or that your debts are a lot less than they actually are, right? I mean, that's illegal. So he's trying to make me look that much more attractive to the to, finance to company. the lending company. That's right, to okay. the finance company. So wouldn't the finance company do due do, do diligence and, and find out it's not correct? I, the last two vehicles that I purchased, I, you know, and I financed. Mm-hmm. I wasn't asked for even proof of employment. No. It's, uh, you know, they rely very heavily on the fact that the loan is being secured by the vehicle itself. Okay, fine. Oh, so you mean, so so you don't even have to sign this affidavit that says, as far as I know, all this information is correct? And Oft, Oftentimes, the, the, the application to the finance company is filled out electronically. Oh, wow. The consumer might not even see it, which is why we actually issued a news release a couple of weeks ago suggesting to consumers that if you are financing a vehicle, and don't get me wrong, dealers often can get you very good financing, maybe even better than your own bank will because they deal with a lot of different lenders. Right. But a couple of the things that you want to do is ask for a pr- ask them to print out a copy of that application so you can verify the information that you provided mm-hmm. is indeed accurate. And one of the other things that you should know or certainly ask the dealer is, who are you sending my application to? And how many are you sending my application to? Exactly, because they may be submitting your application to multiple lenders. They might send it to RBC, TD Bank, Scotia, who, you know, they, they also are going to have non-bank lenders. You want to know because each time you apply for credit, of course, it affects your credit score. And you also should know that dealers receive a payment from the financing companies. Right. Commission. Exactly. They get a payment for arranging the financing. So you want to make sure that if they've applied to multiple lenders, well, what was the offer from each of those multiple lenders? Because you want to make sure you're getting the best term and terms and rate uh, for you, not necessarily the terms and rate from the financial institution that's going to give the biggest payment or, 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 or commission to the dealer. Now, one of the things that I know that happens in the U.S., they advertise brand new cars, $69 a month, not mm-hmm. a week, a month. And they do what's called a bump. You'll run it for six months and all of a sudden your payment bumps up to 400 a month. And a lot of these people don't realize that there is a bump in the contract. And it, it, when the S hits the fan, that's when you have an issue. I haven't seen personally many examples of that here in Ontario. I don't think it's a, a business model that happens here. Yeah. I, I can't think off the top of my head that it would necessarily be illegal as long as all the appropriate disclosures were made and consumers actually did understand exactly what they were signing and getting themselves into. And But you, again, Dave, you raise a really good point. Car loans themselves, the finance agreements today can be 
They can be negotiated for one thing, yes. mm-hmm. uh, but they're also they can be very complicated. You want to make sure that you fully understand it. Know your own credit worthiness before you go to the dealership. Find out what your own bank might be able to give you the car loan so that you can compare what the dealer is offering. Mm-hmm. It's so many people, they do the research on the car purchase, and but if they're financing it, they don't do any research on the finance products, and they really, really should. And, of course, the other thing to be really concerned about is the length of term of the loan. We are seeing very commonly today those uh, you know vehicle purchase loans that are seven, eight, even nine years. Yeah, that's outrageous. I mean, how, how many cars are going to be around in nine years? They'd probably be sick of it by then. But, you know, I, I've run into that myself without realizing that people actually do find them that long, where I, I've looked at a car and said it needs a huge repair. Yeah. And, the, and the guy says... Well, I, and I still have to make a payment. I said, you haven't finished paying for this car yet? Yeah. Oh, my God. So so he's got to do a $1,000 repair and still write a check for $450 at the end of the month. That's yeah. crazy. And then you know what they do it weekly now. Instead of bi- they had, the first they had to do it biweekly. Now they're weekly. So it's well, like you know what? It's a great point. bucks a week. Great point. You know, we'll get to that afterwards because we have what they call um, monthly payment monthly junkies. Monthly payment junkies. All right, we're going to get into that, a little bit more on that, after this break. This right. is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll yes, yeah, so right if back. you want to call in, the number is uh, during the break, and you can join the conversation. All righty, welcome back. It's Dave's Corner Garage. My name's Dave Redinger, Alan Gelman. Alan Gelman. Yeah, and sitting can... beside me is Terry O'Keefe. You got it. From Omvik. And behind the board today is Sebastian, so things are looking up. There we go. <laughs> and <laughs> the studio audience is less the building. <laughs> now, I learned a new word just now, payment junkies. Yeah, monthly payment junkies. So we, this, is, this is a term that's often used to apply to people that I can buy that car for that much. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And it's immediate gratification. Um, and it's happened. People can buy cars that 20 years ago would have been unaffordable to mm-hmm. them right. because of these extended term loans, these six, seven, eight, even nine year vehicle loans. Is it smart for the manufacturer to take a guy out of the trade for that long? Well, in the short term, but you're right, there's a question of sustainability because what happens is these consumers often develop what we refer to as negative equity. I know that's an oxymoron if ever there was one, one. Uh, (laughs) but that's what happens. So let's say that I'm the consumer and I buy a vehicle for eight years. I bought a $30,000 car. I financed it over eight years. I commute. I'm coming in from the north. So I'm putting higher than average miles on my car. So after four years, I've put 140,000 kilometers on my car. At which point the car requires it requires repairs and tires, exactly and thousands so I, of dollars. It's out of warranty. It's gonna. It's all these looming repairs. So I'm gonna trade it in on a new car. Oh, well, rather than fixing it. Rather than okay. fixing it. Okay. So I've got my. Four-year-old car now. Yep. Wholesale value on it's only seven thousand dollars. It began depreciating the second it drove off the lot. Right. Plus, it's got high miles. And so, how much? And so, but I still owe sixteen thousand one hundred dollars on it. That's so you're, you're as commonly referred to as in the ditch. Yeah, I'm up, <laughs> upside down, right? Uh, so I've got nine thousand dollars of negative equity. So I'm yeah. going to buy a new car. Let's say my new car is thirty-five thousand yeah. dollars. But I still owe nine thousand on my tra- on my trade in. You've given me seven, but I owed sixteen. So you're at forty four. So now I have to take out a loan for forty four thousand dollars. And guess yeah. So now my payments have gone way up. The cost of borrowing has gone way up because I borrowed more money, so I'm paying more interest. So that's okay. I can afford it. But what's going to happen in four years' time? Because I financed that car over eight years. Right. I didn't move closer to the city. I'm still going to be doing that crazy amount of mileage. I'm still going to end up with a worn-out car in the same three or four years. And here's the other problem. 
Heaven forbid, but you have an accident with that car and they write it off. Oh, you are so right, or it gets stolen. Yeah. The insurance company is going to pay you the value of the car, not the amount of the loan that's right. outstanding. So your cars were 16, buddy, because... Right, so they, they could be giving you a check for 10 and you owe 30 more. Yeah. 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 You have to Google that river. What's it called? The creek? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of creek. And, and you might think, oh, this is, this is far-fetched. When we talk to dealers... They tell us that between 50 and 70% of consumers who have trade-ins have negative equity. Wow. wow. That's and a huge so, amount. And this is going to snowball. So eventually, you're right, it's, this is about sustainability, Dave. Yeah. You might be able to roll the negative equity in once, maybe twice, but there will come a time when you simply won't be able to borrow you know, $60,000 for a $30,000 car. Because either a finance company is going to say no or it's simply unaffordable. Is that why when Statistics Canada says, you know, Canadians owe a dollar eighty-seven for every dollar they earn or something, is this cars are that mar- big part of that market? Oh, potentially part of it. I yeah. mean, we, we certainly hear economists talking about a looming bubble uh, similar to the mortgage crisis, That's only right. on a smaller scale, albeit, uh, it, with car loans. And this is one and of the reasons why. That's exactly where I was going to go to, because subprime, which is uh, these guys that owe so much money that they're really not creditworthy, they they would still get involved in these buy-here-sell-here schemes, and they end up in the ditch with no car and no money. So, and, and we do see it. We see consumers who are credit challenged or in that subprime market as it's referred to. They're desperate. They have to have a car to get to work. And all they can get is a loan at 29, 39, yeah. whatever it might be. And it is absolutely problematic. Sometimes these consumers, they, they'll get into a vehicle and you know, there's no possible way they're going to be able to meet, meet those you payments. Know, many times we're more benign here in Ontario than they are down south. I've, I've read articles where the same car has been resold seven times mm-hmm. in two years because they, they buy it, they can't afford it, they repo it, they resell it to the next sucker. Well, you and, know what? You, you, know, you need a car and you walk into the dealership and here's a buddy in his nice double-knit suit and he's going, hey, we can put you into this lovely car here. Yeah. And you're going, well, I could never afford a car like that. And they said, well, bet you can. And, and, and you know how they do it. They fool around with the numbers and they make out an app and next thing you know, you're in the car. And, and I've seen it myself being in the repair side of it where all of a sudden buddy who could ar- hardly afford a Corolla ends up buying a BMW. Well, it was the same money. And then the exhaust falls off, and it's a thousand dollars to fix the exhaust. They go, "Whoa! They never told me that was going to happen." So this is how people get in trouble. Yeah, serious trouble, serious trouble. And and that's these extended term loans that allow that customer to buy that BMW for the same as the price of the Corolla, (laughs) without understanding the ramifications. So I'm not saying no one should borrow over eight years. I'm just saying do it with eyes wide open. Make sure you understand what could happen. Now now I know why they call it ramifications, because you got rammed when you bought it, eh? We're going to be talking about Lyft, Uber, and what effects they have on the car business when we come back. Alrighty, it's Dave's Corner Garage. I got Alan sitting beside me. The garage doors are opening. Well. I can't see that good, and it's important to read. We were talking just before the break with Terry about reading the contract, reading what you're signing. Okay, so we have a caller actually who wants to talk about his Kia. All right, Mark in Hamilton, go ahead. Good morning. Hey. How are you doing? I'm fine. Uh, my wife's 2015 Kia Optima, 18,000 clicks on it. Mm-hmm. It's like two and a half years old. I'm sitting in it right now. Um, 
the dealer, the dealer here in Hamilton is asking me, he's asked me twice now to do this service, a full system, fuel system service for 189 bucks, mm-hmm. and a throttle body service for $129. Wow. And I question the need for this. Like, this car runs fine. Well, here's the deal. They want you to maintain that car in a like-new kind of condition. Whether you want to spend that money and care to keep it like-new is another story. Um, certainly a throttle body service um, is something that, that we see in the industry as, as a vehicle needing. Um, I don't know if that price is a good one. I would, I would check with a, an aftermarket repair shop because it can be done for a lot less. In terms of the fuel system cleaning, um, you know, you use the proper gas in the car because a lot of t- times people will cheat and they'll use regular gas when a car calls for super. What what do you use in yours? This is this car runs on regular. Yeah, and and if it's running fine, by all means, you know, it's not something I think you really have to jump on. Dave, uh, we have a saying around here called RTFM, so that means read the F in manual. And I haven't you, done that, no. <laughs> I always take it to the washroom because that's the only place I read. But anyways, the bottom line is check uh, in there TMI. for, for what, <laughs> what information what is necessary, what service information is necessary under extreme use. Yeah, right? what we're concerned about here is you don't want to mess up your warranty. So yeah. if the manufacturer is calling for you to do a service, which you know may be way less than what the dealer is actually trying to sell yes. you, this is where you can get clarification. Yeah, just go there and it'll take. Look in the book. Does it say throttle okay. body service? Hey, it doesn't say it, or it does say it, right? And the second okay. thing you should know, the guy who is the service advisor, I call him advisor. Alan calls him salesman. He's a service salesman, <laughs> really. I mean, All right, he's trying to sell as much product as possible. So you have to keep that in the back of your mind. Do I really need it? Back up your own information. Find out if you do need it. And, and make your decision. I would call it expensive chicken soup at this point, you know? Um, will it hurt? No. no. Will it help? Who knows? <laughs> it's going to help yeah. the guy who you're giving the money to, that's for sure. So why would we consider this extreme driving? Like, oh, because, because of low miles on it? No, 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 no. It's because our Canadian weather is so crazy. Climate. It's a whole climate it's thing. All, it's all about climate. It's It means... There's more salt. It does worry me a little. It worries me a little that this car. My my wife works from home now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this car, I drive it on the weekends. It's the only time it moves at all. Yeah. Well, that in itself is not great either, because we get people in who say, "Well, you know, my sticker says I'm supposed to be coming in for an oil change, but but I've only put on a thousand kilometers, and I still have four or five to go." But in fact, the little short drives that this car finally actually gets is harder on it than if you drove it to work all the way because it doesn't warm up properly. You get a lot of condensation in there, and that's where, for sure, oil changes, you should still be doing them at least a couple times a year. And remember, we have have seasons, right? In the winter, there's salt and and brine and everything on the road that gets into the braking systems. The brakes have to be serviced going into the winter. I like to service them going in, service coming out of the winter. Uh, Gas line antifreeze. There's different things, summer and winter, and that's how we call it extreme service. All right, Mark? Yeah, sir. The, the thing goes in like four times a year for oil changes. It just it breaks it's my heart to do it, but we do it. Yeah, well, that's you know great. What? That's a smart move because it's still a big investment, and oil changes cheap. All yeah. right, thanks okay. for calling in. Thanks very much, Mike. You're okay, very welcome. You. you know, you know, Mark was talking about, and back to what you were wanting to talk about earlier. Now his wife doesn't even go to a job; she's able to work from home, oh. and and people aren't using cars as much yeah. as they do. We were talking. There's an article in about how much effect. Uber and Lyft and all those uh, sharing cars, what do you call it? What they call car sharing, car service? sharing services are affecting the consumer. And uh, they had a Uber service in this one town in Arizona. They took it away, and 41% of those people went back and bought cars. 
So the consumers are actually reacting very quickly to the fact that if Uber's available or not available. Well, if public transit's not readily available in their town, yeah. you know, and they got to get to work, you either, like you say, you either call Uber and you get a $10 cab ride, or if not, you're going to have to have uh, either strong legs, strong legs and back to ride bicycle. Which leads me or to take something. cab. If, if a, a taxi cab or a police car shows up on a car lot, they actually have to tell you that, don't they? Oh, that is a mandatory disclosure. Yeah. And if it's not made, it actually triggers a customer's right to cancel the contract. Oh, 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 I thought of this the other day, as a matter of fact. But let's say I'm an Uber driver. Is that considered a taxi cab? Oh, I wish you had not asked me that <laughs> question. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> This is uh, this is one of those issues that we are actually looking at right now okay. at Omvic. Is an Uber vehicle considered a taxi? Yeah, right. And uh, it's one that we are uh, investigating, and we, we you know we'll have to try and get a legal opinion to determine whether it is or not. Because well, of course, disclosure as a taxi cab is a required. Well, not just taxi cabs, requirement. but rental cars, daily rental cars. So, you know, they come off after six months or eight mm-hmm. months. But the insurance has changed on Uber as well. Because it came out about three, four months ago where Uber, if, if you're insured, like Al, if you're a driver for mm-hmm. Uber without the accident, and you have your own insurance, you are bridge financed so that if somebody is driving in your car, they're still covered and you st- you're still covered. But it's changing because Uber's CEO is in hot water again, even though his tush is out the door. Mm-hmm. So it, it, uh, nobody really knows right now. But at the end of the day, in terms of me trading a car in, I mean, let's say I, I was driving for Uber and maybe I just worked three, four, five hours a week. Aren't we just looking at the total mileage on the vehicle? Like it, it's, I, I, Because it's my car, I'm driving it nicely, I would think. So how does that negatively affect the car in, in terms of the trade or why Omvic would be involved in this? Well, if it's a taxi, it's a re- it is a required disclosure. Yes, it is. And, uh, it, and as I said, it's actually one of those is if it's not made, it triggers rescission. Mm. Um, so I, I think it's a fair question and one that needs to be uh, mm-hmm. evaluated is, is there a difference in the way a taxi is driven and, and those vehicles are treated? In an Uber vehicle. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is certainly something that we are looking at at Omvik right now. So if the right rear door is falling off, you could have been a taxi. <laughs> 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 All right. We have some fun questions. The phone lines are busy, so uh, we could have come back and we talked about some warranty issues. And, uh, Alan, take us out. I do. I remember years ago when they did one of those mystery cars, you know, they showed the four screw holes on the dashboard where the microphone <laughs> yeah. clip was. And they went, what are you talking about? <laughs> Anyways, this is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. It's Dave's Corner Garage. I'm Dave Redinger. Alan Gelman is here as usual. Right here. Terry O'Keefe from Omvik, the Ontario Motor Vehicle Industry Council. And we have a phone call about warranty issues. But before we just go to that, we're talking about daily rentals entering the retail market. And you were saying that daily rentals could have an accident and not show up on a um, site or like a car proof or whatever, Carfax. That's right. It's one of those uh, dealers have to disclose if a vehicle has been involved in an accident that resulted in more than $3,000 in damage. Right. Um, if a vehicle was a previous daily rental, most, most rental companies are self-insured. So if it was involved in an accident, that information will not show up on a vehicle history report like car proof. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if the car that you're looking at is a previous daily rental mm-hmm. and the dealer simply says it's got a clean car proof, 
that doesn't mean that the car hasn't been involved in an accident. You should make sure that the dealer has done a thorough inspection of that car. That's right. It only means on the report hoist. was clean. That's exactly right. It doesn't necessarily right. mean the car was clean. Yeah. yeah. So. I saw that in Florida. There was this one place, uh, I think it's called Off Lease, and they, every car in the lot's been hit. But they write... Buy the car, not the car proof. Well, no, I mean, listen, I, I, I was involved in the same thing myself where I was involved in a, in a fender bender, and I didn't want it to infect my insurance, so I coughed up $1,500 to the body shop to fix this lady's car that I hit. Yeah. Um, nobody would be the wiser. I mean, and, and for that kind of money, it's not like there's any structural problem anyways, really. It's a broken light or something. Okay, let's go to the phones. We have uh, Doug on the phone, and uh, he's got a question about warranty. Doug, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Yes, I've got a uh, Ford Escape. It's less than four years old. Uh, it's got a transmission problem and told that they can't do anything about it. What's oh. the mileage on the car? Uh, 21,000 Ks. Oh, that's like nothing. It's still under uh, the powertrain warranty. What kind of problems does it have? What is it doing? It's uh, When I'm slowing down, it, uh, the, one of the uh, drop-down gears is not engaging properly, and it's... It's not kicking down. Pulling yeah. the car exceptionally fast, and then that clears off when it hits the next drop-down point. But question: You said you had uh, you had a powertrain warranty. Yes. The transmission is usually the major part of that powertrain. That's right. How come they're not? They won't help you out. They say they can't fix it. They can't do anything about it. Because there's no repair, or just that they won't do it for free. No, they just say they can't. There's nothing they can do about it. Hmm. East Court Ford, uh, he was with us for many, many t- years. Call Mark. Yeah, Mark at East Court Ford. Look up the number. I don't remember it anymore. Um, but he is one of those, like a bulldog. He'll go after the issue until it's resolved. I mean, he's one of the greatest guys I've ever met in the service industry. Mm. All right? So it's East Court Ford, and they're on Kennedy Road, um, just north of the 401. Yeah. Okay, now suppose they, uh, they come back with the same answer. Is there some government... Uh there's uh, yeah, I can go to yes, there is. Yeah, there's something called CAMVAP, the Canadian Motor Vehicle Arbitration Plan. Yeah. And uh, CAMVAP settles disputes between consumers and manufacturers. It's not, this isn't about the dealership, obviously. This is about the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can contact CAMVAP. Uh, don't, I would suggest to you, though, don't leave it too long because you can only apply for CAMVAP arbitration if the vehicle is of the current model year or the previous four model years, mm. and has less than 160,000 kilometers. Now, you're obviously well under that 160K, but you're coming up to that five-year limit. So I, I would suggest you just uh, go online, look up CAMVAP, C-A-M-V-A-P, and uh, if, you, if you're not getting any satisfaction from the manufacturer, that's something you might want to look into. And uh, you should be aware, if you go to CAMVAP, whatever this decision is for, of the arbitration board, you have to abide. So if they tell you to get lost, that's it. You're done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If they say no, the manufacturer has to put another unit in. They have to apply. By, they have to agree to that too. You know, I'm wondering though. You know, when when Doug said the dealer said they can't help him, I mean, I'm wondering if there really is a fix, mm. which is another possibility. Could happen, yeah. So I, I'd probably get a second opinion. Either go to another Ford dealer, maybe go see Mark, as 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 uh, Dave said, or go to a tranny shop and have them take it for a ride and say, yeah, is this normal for this kind of car? Well, it was to Mister Transmission. Yeah. It was normal. And he's the the one that's saying, uh, giving that... uh, That there could be a fix. 
Okay, well then, yeah. that's the way you go. I, I would uh, go see another Ford dealer. Hey, Doug, we'll take a card and trade. No problem at all. Just bring it right down. We'll get the big ones, the small ones, the Chevys. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Doug, thanks for calling. Have a great weekend. Thank you. All right, Alrighty. bye-bye. <laughs> After the break, we've got Duncan and Perry Sound. He's got a question you know, for us. we have Kerry Schmidt, too. Well, okay, I, I messed up the order. <laughs> <All right. laughs> we have Kerry Schmidt We are, we are going to talk to this guy eventually. You know. All right, we will. <laughs> this is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. Okay, I wish you were this one during the break. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have Kerry Schmidt <laughs> oh, from the OPP on the phone. Last weekend, there was a motorcycle free-for-all on the highways around town. Um, if you were there, maybe you can help. Kerry, what's it all about? Oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah, you know, we got co- complaints uh, left, right, and center. We had, like, up to 150 to 200 motorcycles wow. just tearing up the highways, just uh, hijacking the roads, uh, coming to a full stop, uh, swarming uh, people that are trying to get around the, the city. And it was just it was just incredible, just complete disregard for public safety. And uh, we had officers, we had our aircraft in the sky watching overhead, and it was just mayhem and chaos. Sounds like an evil Knievel wannabe convention. Well, yeah, they uh, they thought that they were going to go out and have some fun. This was actually billed as some sort of charity event, although I didn't see any charity in this. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when when you see two hundred motorcycles swarming cars, uh, doing wheelies, stopping on the highway, doing brake stands and sw- and smoke shows, and, and just having a complete uh, abandonment of any common decency and courtesy for everybody else who's trying to use the highways. I talked to many people who actually got stuck behind these guys mm-hmm. when they shut down the road. And this is unbelievably frustrating. It just it crosses the line. You know, I was coming home from uh, Cayuga and on the 401, and there was like 30 bikes passing us in between yeah. the lanes, back and forth. If I hit that guy, what happens? I mean, well, obviously I'm going to hurt him. But well, it, you know what? As a as a rider, they should they know they're vulnerable. They're going to get hurt if they go down. And, and doing these stunts, like sure, I'm I'm sure they're talented in, in in their activities. But do it in a controlled space, someplace safe, someplace where it's not breaking the law, and uh, and you can you can go have a have a fun time. It, you know, we don't have any issues with people going out for rides and and uh, enjoying the outdoors and going for a cruise. But when you start. Uh, hijacking the highways. That's where we take issue. And I know there were many events uh, across the province. Uh, many of them were great events, charity events, and group rides and cruises, and that's fantastic. But uh, when when these hoodlums and, and hooligans go out and uh, just take advantage and, and really uh, have no respect for their fellow motorists on the road, yeah, that's that's the concern that we have. And, and fortunately, there was no serious injuries. But I can tell you, you know, we actually had an officer trying to uh, get into the uh, group there and stop some of these motorists, uh, the motorcyclists. And, and they, the officers got swarmed. The bikes all took off. And, and just a couple minutes down the road, one of the bikes actually went down. And, and so as dangerous uh, as it was already, it would have been even more dangerous had we tried to uh, to stop them with with a couple of police cars on the road. Well, now, in fact, even with the helicopter, um, you've yet to been able to figure out or find out who these people are. Correct? Well, we're we're working on it. I'll tell you, we've got a team <laughs> of officers right now. We're committed to uh, uh, finding out who these people are, and we've got tons of tips coming in 
anyone who wants to uh, call in is, is asked to call our uh, tip line or Crime Stoppers. And uh, the information is all on our Twitter pages and Facebook pages and so on. You can find all that information. And, and we've had lots of tips already from within and outside the groups. And, and people should realize if, you, if they're part of that group and they don't realize what they're getting themselves into, this is a good time to uh, talk to police and let them know that, that they, want to, they want to disassociate themselves with these, uh, these gangsters, really, because yes. it, it is just uh, it's unbelievable what, uh, what liberties they think they can take and get away with. You know, and I, I used to write... Many, many, many years, we used to go like the Indianapolis Raceway or Washington, even drove once to Florida. But we're wearing leathers. We got helmets on. We got the boots on. I've seen these like with the the girls in the back are wearing shorts and a T-shirt. She goes down. That girl is for the rest of her life disfigured. That's it. Yeah, it may look cool and and you may think uh, you're getting uh, uh, getting a good time, getting some fresh air. But uh, you have to have the protection equipment, protective equipment. But realize as well, if you go down... It doesn't matter if you have the full leathers and full helmet. Uh, you're the one who's going to take the brunt of it, and your body can't just take those kinds of uh, shocks to the system. No. And, and sadly, you know, we've had uh, you know upwards of almost I think 20 fatalities already this year involving motorcyclists, and about half of them, the motorcyclist was actually not at fault at the time. So it, it really amplifies the fact that they have to share the road and, and drive defensively and be prepared for what's coming up. Because on a public highway, you've got trucks, you've got cars, you have motorists of all skill levels, and, and you don't know what's coming up in front of you. And, uh, and traffic conditions are, are tough enough in the best of conditions, never mind when uh, people are out there uh, hijacking the highways for their own thrills and pleasure. Now, sp- splitting lanes um, is not legal in Ontario, correct? It, it is not legal, no. I know there's a lot of people that uh, wish it was, but it is not. You have to. You have the lane. You share the road with other motorists, and uh, yeah, you cannot split between vehicles. Doggy, mm, especially when you open the door on them. Well, especially like 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 Carrie was saying. You know, you you get you know some older person or someone who has a lot of a lot of experience behind the wheel. Yeah, they get scared. And all yeah. of a sudden, you know, and then only you're only talking inches on either side of that motorcycle yeah. um, so to get whacked. If you're changing lanes, you check your mirrors, you don't see anybody, and all of a sudden a motorcycle decides to come in between. Even if you uh, just kind of drift to the one edge of your lane, you're going to clip that bike, and he's going down, and, and you will run over him, and that rider will, will die. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's almost a guarantee. So that is uh, the issues. that uh, That's why those, the rules are in place. We need to share the road. If you want to go and push your bike or push your car and, and, and smoke your tires and do that stuff, you got to do that uh, off the highway, you know, on, on a sanctioned event, wherever, on a track or on private property, wherever you're going. But uh, the highways uh, where we patrol, that's uh, where we take exception hey, to those th- kinds of behaviors. There's racetracks like Toronto Motorsports Park. You can take your bike there. You can, yeah. do, you can do laps. You can go crazy with other bikers and uh, see how good you really are. Exactly. I, I, <laughs> if you think that good, go go prove yourself there. These guys yeah. are out there beating their chest on the side of the highway. They just want to get their uh, five minutes of Internet fame and, uh, and awesome. be on their way. So. But on the good side, if you're waiting for an organ transplant, I know. Well, that's, well, that's what they call them, organ doors. <laughs> Come on, don't be so negative. There's, we got to get some positive out of this. My doctor calls them organ doors. That's what he calls them. Carrie Schmidt, thanks for uh, protecting us. Hey, awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Okay. Right, bye-bye. Remember, Carrie's available to any 400 series highway. Just wave at him as you pass. There you go. And if you've got a car care question, give us a call right now. This is Dave's Corner Garage. 
All right, we have to be quick because this is our last segment. Just a couple of things that you should be aware of. Uh, Takata Airbags, which has been in the news now for four years, right? Uh, is it just a quick question? Do they have to replace the bags before they sell the cars, or is it? Uh no, no. But uh, if the vehicle has an outstanding safety recall, yeah. we just ask that dealers disclose the fact that there's an outstanding recall right. to the purchaser, so that the purchaser is aware. Uh, they can make then take steps to get it fixed themselves. And if you are buying a used car, please make sure that you notify the manufacturer of that car that you're now the, the owner, so that any future recalls are going to come to you. Well, under proposed settlement Tuesday, Nissan had to pay another ninety-seven point seven million dollars to owners for effective airbag recalls for their expenses for getting it done. So they joined Toyota, Mazda, BMW, and Subaru, who have all reached similar settlements. So if you've got a uh, Mazda, I had my bags replaced. I had mine and my yeah. Honda done as well. In fact, both of my Hondas had them done. I had to go get a sandwich. I'm going to see if I can put a... <laughs> but, you know, you know, on the other side of the coin, though, Ford is now fighting with Takata over this. Is that right? Takata declared bankruptcy, and a Chinese company has bought it. Uh, 16 deaths and 180 uh, injuries worldwide. It is worth considering how many millions and millions of cars are out there. It isn't that bad. But, you know, once the lawyers get involved, everybody gets involved. It's all... Pfft. Well, this is the long, long, largest recall in automotive history. Tesla is announcing an electric semi. Mm-hmm. They want to use uh, EV power to run a semi-truck. They're trying them in Nevada. It's also going to be autonomous. So there won't be a driver per se. It'll all be, be done with the... Electronically. Well, currently there's supposed to be a driver in an EV anyways, mm-hmm. just to make sure it's says. But the idea here is they, they're going to send these trucks down the road with nobody in them at all. And then uh, at the end when they get to the city, a driver steps in. Terrific. So you're on the 410, because it's always <laughs> light with trucks on that highway. <laughs> you're coming southbound on the 410 from, say, whatever, uh, yep. Bolton. And they're all going to be self, self-driving self trucks. Yep. That'll be really safe. So you can put your finger up and tell you they're number one. Yeah, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> well, you understand on the full on the top level, top tier of, of autonomous cars, there will not be controls in them anyways. Is there that right? Will, like oh, absolutely. Uh, there won't be a brake or, or, a, or a, a, a drive... Um, a brake pedal or a steering wheel. You just talk to Siri. That'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> Siri, you took me the wrong way. Siri, brakes, 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 <laughs> Siri, stop. <laughs> Truck coming in. Look at how many mistakes Siri makes. Just imagine that with technology in your car. Please speak slow and clearly. All right. Now, Rolls-Royce. 11. 11. <laughs> Rolls-Royce has now been offering a SUV, mm-hmm. which they call it a higher riding vehicle. They don't call it an SUV. <laughs> and uh, they're a big competition from Bentley. So they just call Bentley a rebodied Audi. So <laughs> even at those stratospheric levels of, of cars, there's competition. Well, you know what? If we've been looking at, at stats for car sales, in fact, they've been going down. But the manufacturers have been holding their own because they've come up with alternative vehicles. Yes. So that's what people are buying. They're buying CUVs. They're buying off-road vehicles. And that's why, well, Dave, last week we talked about Ferrari's coming out with one. Ferrari's coming out with one because uh, there's a market for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ferrari actually built less than 8,000 cars, so they don't have to meet as stringent uh, emissions systems as a manufacturer who, ma- who manufactures more. But this will take over 10,000 cars, and they're going to have to change their emission standards. Oh, really? So, yeah, that's, it's, it's an interesting thing. So this, the business is so changing every day. Cadillac announced they're not going to make any, any cars anymore. They're going to only make one model in next year and bring SUVs instead because that's what people want. So instead of having ATC and CTS and all that stuff, there'll be one Cadillac and the rest will all be uh, SUVs. I hope they give it a name rather than letters because it gets so confusing. I remember my dad used to drive Eldorado. 
I mean, that's a car. <laughs> I mean, it had gold-plated hubcaps and it had fins and it had eight miles to the gallon. But who cared? <laughs> you know, those are the days. What did they call it? That that the uh, vinyl top with the little window in it. There was a name for that too. I forgot now. The... A special name. Hearse. <laughs> the brome. No, that's the vehicle they use after the motorcycle riders keep going crazy. See, it's insane. It's insane what's going on. The business is changing so fast. Mm-hmm. And how do they deal with value? Like today, SUVs are, are are current, and but in five years, maybe nobody even wants them. So all of a sudden, the consumer's stuck with something nobody wants. And if you're buying a car, that's a really good question to ask yourself. Yeah. You know, we we talk about these long term loans and things like that. One of those questions isn't just. How long am I planning on keeping this car? But how fast will this vehicle depreciate? Yes. Uh, because you, you know, if you're buying a, a vehicle and you're going to finance it over eight years, mm-hmm. um, if it's something that you think is going to depreciate really quickly, uh, that, that's even an even greater risk that you're taking. But if it is something that you think is going to be really popular four or five, six years down the road, uh, then you know it's it's perhaps a little safer to consider doing it that well, way. Well, it happened to people years ago in, in California who had Hummers. All of a sudden, you know, they were getting the they finger get, from yeah. green people because the, they were driving a vehicle that was sucking so much gas back. Um, besides the price of gas, you could hardly afford to drive it either. So at the end of the day, the value of that vehicle was almost nothing because nobody wanted one. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, today, SUVs, pickup trucks, yep. that type of vehicle is very popular. And they do tend, depending on the model, of course, but they do tend to depreciate perhaps less uh, than your regular sedan. But who knows, five, six years from now, that could change. I bought a uh, 2014 Cadillac SUV last year, and I bought it for half of its retail value. And I'm going, who loses $30,000 over 18 months? It's insane. It's just crazy. But that was the value of the car. And that was still being inflated by the American market because I bought it at auction. So I was fighting an American who had a 30% advantage of buying the car. So I had to spend more money on the car than I would have. Otherwise, I would have paid less money here. And somebody lost over $30,000. It's just one more thing you have to research before you make that decision yeah, to buy. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely true. Thanks again for coming down, Terry. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure, guys. Omvic.ca, O-M-V-I-C.ca. Omvic.ca. Right. Don't forget, so even in terms of financing, Omvic can help you out, and they've got great information there for it, you. Lots of information before you buy on our website. Except if you don't buy from a used car dealer, you get nothing. You gotta buy from a registered used car dealer. That's well, the only time you're protected. Well, the good news is you can go on the website and still pick up those pointers, though, eh? Absolutely. There's pointers there for people who do want to take the risk and buy privately. We've got it for everybody. Yep. There you go. On next week's show, we're gonna be having Jim Matthews of Lease Busters. We're gonna have Robert Varga from Walkaway Insurance. He was on a couple weeks ago. Great insurance they yes. got, eh? Yep. For people who maybe all of a sudden bad stuff happens. And we're going to have Mike Wilson from AutoFest National Car Show in Oshawa. So if you are a car fanatic and live around the Oshawa area, make sure to tune in to Dave's Corner Garage. And you can find out all this and more See on the Dave next- Corner's Garage <laughs> website. I forgot to mention Dave's that. Corner Garage. Have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Drive safe. Thank you, Sebastian. <laughs> This has been an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740.
This has been an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740.